What's up, podcast listeners? Max Brown here, and I'm a strategist on Team Gary. Today's episode is the Young Lions Creative Academy keynote Gary did in Cannes. Enjoy and make sure to tweet at Gary V with any podcast feedback. Buckle up, Gary V up next. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Welcome, Gary. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Um, can't beat this weather. No. So I think we're going to start out just by talking about this notion of connecting the dots, maybe set the stage for a bit, and then uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, on how we're thinking about things. Um, so the first thought here is just that customer centricity is talked about too often. I mean, we've been saying this for decades. And, um, and yet I think with all the data and technology that surrounds us, it's probably done right too rarely, and we've barely scratched the surface of what's possible. So, you know, it makes sense why we're facing this conundrum when we think about human, not consumers, not audiences, these words that aggregate humans, but how do we put cons- uh, the human at the heart of this and really help connect the dots across those things? Because in theory, you know, we use these words perhaps a little bit too much, Gary, but, you know, uh, we should be able to make experiences relevant, frictionless, smarter, dynamic, anticipatory, connected, but I guess the question is, is that theory or is that reality? Um, and just, you know, when I think about why some of the things are theory and, uh, and versus reality, I guess part of it is organizational because if we put that customer at the heart of the experience, they are experiencing the brand promise from things that are in the CMO's control and then a lot of stuff that's not in the CMO's control and the CMO's sort of left in this wonderful but frightening position of holding the bag and all the responsibility for um, for all the elements of the brand promise and pricing or channel strategy aren't according to the CMO, nor is customer care perhaps or employee experience and yet or, all or, to them. Or actually the marketing itself because the brand people do it. Absolutely. Um, so we've got sort of this weird juxtaposition of responsibility and actual control. Um, so just to sort of close out this idea, you know, if we think about putting the human at the center, so those customers are sitting at the heart, we talk so much here about the future of AI and customer data, but customer data really has the power, um, and putting the consumer at the, at the heart of this allows us to connect the dots between three key things. One, internal activation, so the stuff we're managing inside of a company, and the stuff that we're managing outside of a company. Agencies, media companies, technology vendors, got a lot of stuff in the mix, and I would argue that with most of the CMOs where I'm working, uh, there's a big disconnect between the stuff that's in-house and out-of-house, and those data signals that should be fluid and flowing are. Second thing is, you know, marketing and customer experience. CMOs are largely responsible for marketing if, to your point, they even have direct control over all the elements of all the brands. So the question is customer experience, isn't that an expression of the brand as well, and so how do we connect those dots? And then finally, this notion of performance marketing and brand marketing, because we've gotten really accustomed and excited by the potential to drive performance and business outcomes. But a lot of great brands that are growing fast are recognizing that nice algorithm and flywheel that comes from doing both branding and sales. And that if we forget one or the other, we can end up with some challenges. But these three disconnects, at least in my experience, are striking me as some of the things that really challenge us at this moment. And so I'll just start off with what I'm sort of putting at the heart of my brain right now when I'm sitting with CMOs, which is, are we thinking about campaigns or customers? Because a campaign's a moment in time, it has a start and a finish, we measure the return, and then we've got the customer, which 
it's supposed to be a lifetime relationship and we're supposed to be driving that total value. How do you think about that, Gary? Uh, I think that from my perspective, obviously, I grew up in a small business environment and then in a kind of startup culture, everything was so consumer, you know. My, my dad, when I took over running his liquor store, didn't give a shit if I won a statue. He cared if I sold wine and we could pay our bills. And so, one of the great things about being a marketer who grew up in retail and actual business results and since the time I was 22 years old to right now, has run a business that has never raised capital and has always had to make his payroll. The deep practical nature of my framework, I think has helped uh, me think about marketing a little bit different. I mean, I agree with so much of what you said. I think that this industry is one of the most insular eco-chamber industries I've ever seen, which is not bad, it's just an observation. Um, We're about to clap and reward a lot of people for a lot of work that no human has ever really actually seen. Um, which I, we're about to clap and award people for, for work while that company's business is declining rapidly. I mean, this week is always a fun one for me because it lacks truth at a scale that is uncomfortable. you what, what the difference to that reaction compared to when I said it seven years ago. What, what I've always had on my side is I only know consumer. I don't, I'm still asking Harriet what, a, what the awards we won this week meant. I don't have context for the environment of B2B. I don't know the name of the biggest executives or the fanciest chief creative officers. Now, let this be clear. That's not out of disrespect or audacity. That's wonderful and like something else. I am in the advertising world to eventually buy brands when the economy collapses and when I buy them, I'm gonna wanna grow my business. And so I'm here trying to figure out from 10 years ago, how much of my hypothesis, aka is my stuff bullshit? Does that only work for small businesses and startups? Or was this gonna be able to work for Pepsi? Or that's why I came to this world. Now a couple things, one, I love this week because you want to talk about a group of like actually very creative, rad, good human beings, much better than the liquor industry or Silicon Valley for me. However, where it falls short is, I mean, this is literally Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. People talk about things that aren't real and we all, you know, it just, it's not at the benefit of our clients. The whole thing is run by CFOs of holding companies, CFOs. And um, I don't know, I, I, I think everything you just set up is extremely true. There's no consumer-centric brand that is Fortune 500. The way we score things, even the slide where you had TV closer, I'm like, no way. Like, there's not a normal human being that consumes TV commercials in the world. Um, it's just not happening. You can be emotional about it or not, but outside of Super Bowl and a couple of other random things globally, it's just not what humans are doing. When you look at the rapid consumption of OTT for actual content globally, like where is that gonna leave the thing? Let's not get confused. In 2019, we are here this week and a 30 second TV spot is still at the pedestal of this industry. Everything else is secondary and cute. That is audacious at best and ridiculous. And so I, uh, I believe this is the least consumer centric industry in the world.
So, <laughs> jumping off from that. Um, so, you mentioned... Let me tell you why. <laughs> Thanks, Karen, would you please? Please, and thank you. All of the reporting that suffocates all the incredible creativity that is here ha- is like the whole punchline. Like, Ipsos testing? Like, animatics? Internal MMMs? GRPs? Millard Brown and Nielsen reports? This is like the greatest conglomerate of horseshit to truth. And And everybody knows it, which is why you clap. Now, I have empathy. You have to work in organizations where that is the North Star. And so, I don't sit here audacious. When you're an entrepreneur and you have no board and you have no holding company that you have to kick things to when you're not publicly traded, I have a lot of respect for the holding company CEOs. They have to make numbers every 90 days. I have a lot of respect for the MDs and people running business here. You have to make numbers in short term. That's the game you're playing. That doesn't mean that the work is then right. Of course you're gonna sell television and programmatic banners. That's where the margin is. This is business. That has nothing to do with consumer-centric. There's a bunch of meetings going on right now off-site with the holding company CFOs that are looking at Excel sheets which represent the humans in this room and because they lost an account, they're just gonna fire cell number 29, row B. So what strikes me from everything you're saying is overwhelmingly you're focused on results. What drives real humans to take real actions? And I guess one question I have since we are at a festival of creativity that celebrates it, which uh, uh, you've opined on a bit here. I guess the question is, we're talking a lot about creativity here. We're also talking a lot about data, technology, advanced advertising, targeting. I guess the question is, is one, are they keeping in sync with each other? Because we do have more precision in how we can use first, second, and third party data to find the right humans and bring them the right message. But to some extent, we sometimes uh, are beholden to sort of matching luggage sets of storytelling uh, at, at points. And so I guess my question is, what's more important in driving results? Creativity, targeting, both? Because we're really focused on this performance marketing piece right now. Getting somebody's attention and then making something that actually compels them to do something are equally important. Fair enough. I mean, really, like, like this conversation's hilarious when somebody skews one way or the other. I could target everyone. Everybody talks about their primary first party data. It's all commoditized. I can get to everybody. I can get to everybody. I can get to everybody with so much data to know so much about your psycho and demographic data at scale without any first party data, let alone with some basic first party data. I can get to anybody. The creative is the variable of success. Just because I'm in front of you, if this talk, I'm in front of you right now. This is either gonna go well or not. That is the variable. And so they both matter. There's so many people that have, one of the things that breaks my heart is how many great creatives here are making great stuff that's actually not being seen because of the media plan or the distribution of that media, whether in digital or traditional form. On the flip side, the reality is that you couldn't achieve an outcome without executing on both, even if you tried, if you lived in real life. When you live in what I opined about before, fake life, it seems like something's happening. This industry as a whole, marketing, is obsessed with reach. But what it actually means is potential reach. But we treat it as actualized reach. It got 96 GRPs. No, it didn't. No, it did not. It had the prayer of getting that many. In reality, you were looking at your phone. In reality, you fast forward. In reality, it never happened. And so, 
they matter, but Super Bowl, which I'm obsessed with in America, completely the best media bet anybody in America can make. Everybody sees the spot. This is where TV commercials are at the best. But then a lot of people make creative to fill that 30 seconds for their own self-interest of winning an award or recruiting new talent or new business, not to actually sell jelly or a car. It's an inside industry and that is why it's vulnerable. The reason you're seeing it evolve from consultants who are like, wait a minute, we can do this better, or clients saying, wait a minute, we should take this in-house, or independents that say, we're gonna stay independent forever because that gives us the advantage. That's why we're seeing disruption because it hasn't been aligned with the client, which is the customer, and thus, if it's not aligned with them, the work isn't aligned with the end consumer. So I don't uh, wanna speak for you, but it strikes me that in that uh, in-house versus out-of-house partner sort of discussion, your overwhelming point of view is people have to be hungry and they have to want to drive results and so it's almost the, the hungriest participant is the most interesting one to, to drive marketing. But I guess I, I am curious because there are so many dots that aren't connected between the way brand marketers are functioning in their own organization and perhaps how they work with their agencies and other partners. Why do you think the dots aren't connected? What do you think needs to happen there? Because client service providers aren't incentivized to connect the dots because they make their margin in the non-transparency of the data. You wanna say that slowly again? Sure. (laughs) We're not connecting dots because everyone's putting up garden walls because controlling the data is where the margin is. The platforms are putting up garden walls. Amazon, Apple, Google have no interest in playing with each other. Agencies are creating black boxes on the media side because that's where their margin comes in. They have no interest in sharing it with the clients. The clients are drinking out of a fire hose and aren't sophisticated, so not pumping back in. And they're also now debating that they don't want to share the data with their retailers who are their actual competitors because of private labeling. And so nobody's incentives are aligned. So in a world where everyone's optimizing around their own business model, which is understandable, right? Correct. Trying to create business value. Of course. What do you think starts to solve this problem? Um, Pain. I think pain will solve it. I think as the people that, you know, I hate when, I'm always fascinated when brands pontificate of being upset with their client providers. I'm like, you're paying them. Fire them. So I think when, you know, we have such a great economy for the last decade that a lot of this has happened because of it. So the opportunity for disruption and things will start changing when the economy collapses and they have to make decisions. It's easier to waste money when times are good. There's a very big difference between wartime generals and peacetime generals. And right now we have a lot of executives that are peacetime generals, so wasting some bucks doesn't hurt that much, especially since it's not your business and you may not even be at that company in four years. So that's what's happening. So the counterpoint to that though is that if you fire an agency and you put everything up for review, there's a lot that gets lost in the transition. And one of the things that we've been spending a lot of time doing is focusing on helping clients be better clients, helping agencies be better agencies, and helping them connect better. There is wiring between them that sometimes benefits from operational rigor that perhaps hasn't been there. So you you don't believe in doubling down and trying? No, well I believe in always trying to have the best intent and trying to win, but let's talk truth instead of philosophy. Truth is, there is no VaynerMedia or Droga or Crispin. There's people that work on the business. This thought that if you fire Anomaly, you lose everything. The people that work on your business left Anomaly and went to Droga and you've lost it already. 
This notion that there is a Vayner or Anomaly or Crispin or Wyden or Shyatt. No, there's not, there's human beings. You're losing that touch anyway. Brands rotate their people every 18 to 24 months anyway, so it's already lost. Agencies lose people or promote them or shift them. This thought that at the highest levels of the relationship of the agency and the brand, there's some crazy continuity that you don't wanna lose when you put it up for review is very good propaganda by the agency side, but it's not truth in the way we all navigate every day. Let's shift gears a little bit because. Who stays on an account for 13 years? Which brand person stays on the business for five years? We have to talk about truth. That can't be an argument if you have any level of common sense. You may say at the highest level a CEO and a CEO are homies, that I understand. That I see every day. But this notion of we can't fire Vayner because we'll lose the continuity, there's people that move to Texas to be with their family. They run off the account. I mean, it's not real. It's fake, it's all fake. <laughs> Are you having as much fun as I am? Um, so, uh, so let's uh, let's zoom out for just a moment because we're also still even just focused on, on a campaign mindset because we're still just talking about marketing. But the human on the other side is experiencing things in e-commerce, in retail. They're calling a call center. They're dealing with a chatbot. There's all this stuff yep. that they're touching. And I guess my question is, can, can we aspire to a world where more of those things are actually fueled by the same intelligence and approach, or is it uh, something that's too ambitious to tie marketing and customer experience together and really connect the dots around humans? It's gonna be required. It's, you know, that's the beauty of innovation and truth. Ultimately, it wins. It didn't matter what all the people with the medallions on their taxis thought about Uber in New York. It happened. It didn't matter what all the networks thought about Netflix. It happened. It didn't matter what Walmart thought about Amazon. It happened. What we plan on being one of the people in this industry of doing, and many others I hope follow, and many of the people here, I come here not to recruit or pontificate, I come to inspire people to build their own independent shops so they can do the work that they want to be doing versus what they have to be doing. That's how we'll change the industry. And uh, that's gonna happen with me or not. I may have a chance to buy the New York Jets next year and then I'll move on my merry way. But the reality is that will be a requirement for this industry. And when you talk about the, cons- guys, how many normal people in life even know this week is happening? <laughs> Zero. Normal, end consumers have no idea of this world, the things we talk about. Like, it's, they just live. On brand is my favorite thing. Gary, that's off brand. I'm like, you get to decide? You, the brand manager of the opinion of one, decide what's on brand because you interpreted a sentence which a copywriter wrote as the brand, what it stands for, and you've decided this isn't aspirational living for the modern man? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) So, I apologize, but Yes, all of this is gonna matter. And I will say this, much of what I pontificate around volume of creative, being empathetic, uh, creating 30, 40 meaningful cohorts to attack, not one. What is 18 to 35, are you kidding me? You know, the reason we have so many issues with diversity and gender issues in creative is because we have one 30 second spot. What, are you gonna put everybody in it? Like it's, it's crazy. We need a complete shift in our mindset of creative, we need to stop demonizing quantity in this industry. Quantity does not come expense of quality. It's an excuse for those who do not want to do. And so we have a lot of things to work on. 
I agree, and I think is that at the point where we put smarter, connected experiences as the ambition, that's when the game changes, and I think we have to hold ourselves to that standard. So one question I have, because obviously Wine Library is uh, is a retail experience, fundamentally, you're driving sales, and uh, you know if we fast forward a little bit, I think we use the word AI and uh, all sorts of fancy technologies, big gratuitously right now, but yes. but some of the research that, that we've done recently is actually quite interesting. So we did hackathons around the world, Berlin, Shanghai, Mumbai, LA, et cetera. And one of the things that we did was we looked at the different hypotheses around what the future of consumer will look like. And one of them is that in a world where AI ascends and we use data more intelligently and build smarter experiences, we're going to see a bifurcation between shopping and buying, where buying on a more utilitarian basis might actually be facilitated through technology it and will. algorithms and all it of will. that, and then shopping is more of an expression of the brand I choose couldn't to agree, shop. Couldn't agree more. So how do we think about the universe we've just been talking about as we fast forward a little bit, because I also think we're so focused on where we've been and incrementalism and let's move a little bit from where we are and where we could be, but really we have to look at the future and work backwards. And so if you take that future back approach, what does that look like as we think about customer experience? You're only left with brand. Everything you just said means one thing. You're only left with brand. Because everybody here on subscription, knowing exactly how you live, will be sent all the items by whoever controls that on the things you don't care about. I do not care about my toothpaste. I do not care about my jeans even, me, which is unusual. And then there will be things I do care about. And in those, I will make decisions on brand. But everything else will be commoditized and the toll booths of retail will dominate that world because we choose time and lack of friction over everything except if we care about it. And one of the few things we care about is brand in a couple of different categories. And everyone here will have different categories, right? Some may care about what lipstick they buy, some will not. Some will care about what you know cereal they eat, some will not. So that world will be eliminate all my friction. This is my great conversation about privacy. No matter how hard big media tries to push it, we do not care about privacy. We're doing it every day. We're giving up data every day for convenience. We care about time. We care about friction. You know, we care about convenience. But um, I think that's, the reason I'm obsessed with brand is when, when in 15 years at scale, we're buying things through voice activated AI devices. If I say, Alexa, send me cereal, Amazon's about to make a lot of money. If I say, Alexa, send me Kellogg's Corn Flakes, Corn Flakes wins. If you are not in a place where you're top of mind through the mouth, the toll booths that are coming that will make Google and Facebook look like child's play are going to dominate and destroy many brands, especially when they start building private labels that are far more powerful than what Tesco and Walmart are doing. Wait till they start buying brands. Wait till we wake up and Amazon buys LVMH. And now when you say send me a purse, it's one, like people are being very naive of what the next chess moves look like. And so brand is the only thing left. Brand is the only thing left. Yeah, and, and I think this notion of we, we can't look at today, we've gotta get to that future state and work backwards but we have from to, that brand But we have world. to be careful because we can't be not practical. Every conversation going on about AI today is a waste of time. It's coming. Tomorrow? It's like VR three years ago. All my friends, all my VC friends are like, Gary, you gotta go deep. I'm like, do you know one person on earth that spends an hour on VR in a VR headset a month? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, we may come to something like this and see where it's going. World Fair shit. 
But the actual consumer, listen, I, co- I have the luxury of coming a little bit from a tech kind of ecosystem. Talking to creatives and marketers and agency people about AI has been the most enjoyable thing of this week for me. Not a soul knows what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> or the practicality of how advanced the technology. I mean, I was sitting at the Carlton listening to somebody like, by this time next year, the machines are gonna make the creative. I'm like, what the fuck is this person talking about? <laughs> like, we are so, <laughs> we, <laughs> we are, we are, I'm bringing you to every fucking talk. Uh, we are so far away from the pontification of, and so we need to be practical. Yes, we need to be condescend, but the decision, for example, and I think, and I know you well enough to you know this, is there's a lot of truth in this, and this comes down to the CEO, board, and CMO's DNA. Most of them making decisions around AI today will never see it like mean something to their business while they're at that company. Are they a CEO that cares about their legacy of driving the organization in the right place, or more likely, 99% of CEOs, because they're human beings, do they care about where their investments go to make sure the business is the healthiest, so the stock price is at the highest, so six months after they leave and they're allowed to sell their shares, they can sell it and buy a fucking yacht. It's number two. And so that's where this, that's why I've always been very practical. Like, I'm always paying attention to modern technology. Everyone's like, Gary, what's next? I'm like, I've never predicted anything. The reason I pontificated about YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or these things in the past is they already happened and then nobody wanted to accept it because it wasn't in their financial interest at that moment. But they had already happened at the consumer level and then I would get loud because it's already happened. I'm not guessing if TikTok has users or not under 12. I'm watching until it does and then I get loud as fuck. And then I try to figure out the attention graph, the psychograph nature of how they're consuming it, and then the creative that needs to be contextual to that channel to get that 13-year-old to buy a lollipop. So, I'm really enjoying it. Um, to go back to one of the points you just made, which is the C-suite, because I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways here, which is this can't just fall on the shoulders of the CMO or the CMO and the CIO to drive the transformation. If we're going to focus on brand, and at the end of the day, brand is what's going to win, this is a transformation of sort of epic, melodramatic proportion, which is going to involve the CEO. It is going to involve CFO. And the CFO, absolutely. Do you know how many CEOs are at can? This industry is run by CFOs. Who runs the companies that all of you work for? CFOs. This is a CFO conversation. Yeah, I, I actually uh, agree with the CFO conversation. Thank you. And we just came out today with a, a study on how CFOs and CMOs need to work more closely together to drive brand. And there are very few people who would have come to Con and said, you know, we need to go talk to our CFO about driving our brand. But that partnership and with other members of the C-suite is vital. The CMOs are here and doing their thing and the CFOs are at home laughing that they're having a nice little week. So, I want to make sure we get to some of our better questions because Gary and EY share a core belief, which is that questions are a good thing. You've got Ask Gary V. Yes. And we've got hashtag better questions. Um, so, let, let's get to one of the questions, um, all of which are intended to egg you on. So, I'm just going to pick up the most controversial. Not that that's needed. So, I'm super so Gary, egged up. Since you're so shy. Yes. Um, if it's all fake, I'm gonna do this one. Um, clearly, a massive bubble is being created and growing. Do you think it's going to quietly resolve, or do you think it will burst massively? I hope uh-huh. burst massively. 
And I say this, I, I think the world is at its best when the truth prevails. When you do bad behavior, you should pay for it. I think a lot of things we're feeling socially, let alone financially in the world, is predicated on the fact that we bailed our collective selves out in 2009 and didn't pay the piper. First. So um, I, I will ask you, because you do talk about the agency holding companies, um, and a, a great deal, and one of the questions that's being voted up on the, on the list here is just the notion of what do you think the holding companies will look like in the next five years? I believe that the consultants have realized that they're a better version of the holding companies and they will come in and consolidate and replicate what the holding companies have done. So the Accentures, the Baines, the McKinsey's, on and on and on. I feel obligated to point out that uh, UI has a differentiated strategy along those lines. And, um, and, and that we believe we uh, It will happen. And they'll just, and you guys and them and the rest will just be the bigger, badder versions of financial arbitrage machines. And that's amazing, because that's. But there's a lot of arbitrage involved. That's all this is. That's all this is. This is financial arbitrage. I understand. We can buy up the companies, milk out the exits, and win in the Wall Street centric framework which is great, that's business, that's fine by me. It just, I'd like the industry to acknowledge that that is completely at the opposite side of creativity. Great, so I'm gonna ask you um, uh, one of the last questions here because we're running out of time and this will actually take the 30 seconds or less that we have remaining. Gary, what is your favorite word? Empathy. I think that empathy is something that, you know, obviously I've started a wine brand, uh, somebody showed me a word, word cloud three years ago and everybody thinks I'm hustle and fuck and all this and sure enough, in my word cloud, analyzed every word for me, empathy, kindness, gratitude, patience. I understand how I manifest in my DNA on stage but the way I drive what I do day to day internally and results is 100% predicated on empathy. First for my employees, second for my clients' customers, third for my clients, that is a very different framework than everybody else rolling around here, which is why we will win in the end. (laughs) Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.